Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Pot of Gold. I am Fernando Ramirez. He is Mike Berardino. Together, we cover all things Notre Dame football for the South Bend Tribune and NDInsider.com. We thank you for joining us today, but we are not alone. Joining Pot of Gold is a special guest, former Notre Dame quarterback and the host of the Lucky Lefty podcast, which comes out Monday through Friday, Malik Zaire. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Malik. How are you? And tell us a little bit about the podcast. Man, thanks so much for having me. But man, the podcast is going great. You know, just about every athlete is trying to get on one, but I'm trying to do one more on the, helping the fan base and and just talking Notre Dame football from a different perspective. Me and Sean Davis, or at SD2 Mics, he's doing a really good job at building the Lucky Lefty Network. But the Lucky Lefty podcast has been going strong for almost a year now. Tell me, uh, this is Mike Berardino, and thanks for joining us, Malik. Uh, refresh my memory on how you got that that nickname, because I'm pretty sure you were the first left-handed quarterback to start a game in Notre Dame history. I think that's still the case. You got that market cornered, but how'd you get the lucky lefty? Man, well, I always uh, that was always my nickname going back to high school. I just think, you know, being left-handed at that time in, in football, just at in the high school level, it just where I was at, and it just was kind of rare. And um, Michael Vick was a huge inspiration for me, and so uh, getting to those type of places that he was at at that age, I just thought it had to be a lucky lefty to get there. And then it just always just been my my moniker. I just thought it just you know to be left handed and get so far, you got to be kind of lucky anyway. So, so uh, if I'm hearing this correctly, this is brilliant. You self-branded. You you named yourself the lucky lefty. Well, yeah, I kind of I've always liked that kind of name. That's awesome. <laughs> and then I just, you know, it just always just kept bringing it up. And, and then you <laughs> and then you come play for, uh, help with the luck of the Irish, uh, which it all That's fit right. in just perfectly. And uh and you continue to uh to spread your luck uh, throughout the college football world. Um Tell us, uh, tell us about Irish Players Club uh, a little bit and your involvement with them and just how quickly that thing has taken off. Yeah, so Irish Player Club is basically an NFT community, Web3 base, that's trying to give uh, the fans exclusive access, but also uh, 75% of the proceeds that, sh- that we get from buying the NFTs, you get a chance to uh, help pay the players every month you know give them something uh that they've uh all been kind of wanting to to kind of get in this and i get a little bit of money in their hands so my opportunity with the yoke team is being able to be the manager of the community so kind of running the the group community bringing exclusive content and access from the players to the fans so it's basically a netflix version of fandom for notre dame fans to get that 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 next level of access but also be in a community where uh these nfts also invite you to different events 
uh, tailgates, uh, different opportunities throughout the year that you can use your NFT as your your Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, mm-hmm. golden ticket uh, to get in. And so it increases in value as the time goes on. So and you can buy more NFTs. So it's a really cool, uh, um, really neat thing that we're bringing to the NFT space, but we're also uh, building it out in different fan bases. So my uh, opportunity is just over to community managers and and just growing the NFT fan base, you know, on another level. Malik, how did you get involved with that? So I got some teammates. Uh, Mick Asaf was a teammate of mine. Uh, Nick Wisher was a teammate of mine. Uh, guys that were had a head start on it and doing a lot of the uh, content online that I would do for, like, overtime and, and just having a knowledge of that kind of stuff. They reached out to me, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to mail the digital content with how uh, the NFT space is growing fast and just the metaverse stuff is uh, really taking hold. It strikes me that what's going on with NIL changing maybe by the week as the NCAA tries to, tries to put that uh, uh, horse back in the barn. Good luck with that, with the collectives that have, that have taken off. But what the, what you guys are trying to do, but the NFTs uh, and the Irish Player Club and and providing a conduit basically between the fan base and the players that they cheer and would like to assist in some way um, above board. Uh, nothing shady about it, and and I believe those NFTs when they mint them, they have some value to them. Perhaps there'll be a secondary market for it. I still don't totally understand an N- NFT. If you can explain that part, how they can increase in value. I know the NBA with the highlights has really taken off. But um, do, do you think, Malik, that when all the dust settles here, if uh, even this summer going into next season, that that maybe collectives and boosters have been legislated out by then or scared off, but what you guys are doing has some staying power because you've you've been transparent about what you're doing. Well, yeah, well, first – Going back to what an NFT is, so like yes. sort of like the NBA hot shot, an NFT is just a non-fungible token. So a fungible token would be as if you had a five hundred dollar bills. All five of those hundred dollar bills, you don't care if it's the the last one or the first one, when you got it, or whatever, because they all have the same value. So a non-fungible would be something of that's unique to that moment or experience. So it could be a piece of art. It could be anything that you can create as a physical, unique aspect or, uh, or that, that lane of creativity for artists. Um, So for instance, the NFTs that we're having, we're using them more as like coupons. So this NFT, how we first started it, we had the legacy weekend at Notre Dame for the spring game. We had a separate tailgate for the NFT community. And the way you got in was to show your NFT, you can get in. But for say, let's say some people can't attend it. They can lease their NFT out uh, through the blockchain and uh, occur a transaction on it, which transactions build value. But also uh, you get that NFT back. So it, it really is a digital asset. 
uh, so you can lease them to other people. And through the years, the more events that come up, obviously, uh, they're not going to be ticketed events. You have to buy one of the 55, what was it, 5,555 uh, NFTs out there. So then it's about, okay, well, there's only so many out there and I want to go to this thing. All right, I gotta go and barter and, and put it in auction and audit it off, and you know, so that's how the the, the value tends to increase, uh, usually off of the demand. So, what's different from that and how the NIL is going with the boosters is that these NFTs are more community and fan based. So, the result is through the NFTs that they're buying as a third party it's indirectly supporting the players instead of the boosters just giving guys $10 million. <laughs> you know I mean? mm-hmm. So it's more focused on the fandom and buying the access and the, the benefits of having an NFT related to the Notre Dame football team that you wouldn't get as a regular fan. But those proceeds basically are the charity that goes to the players directly um, and through all the legal ways that that's able to happen. I'm glad you could explain that. Now I feel I feel enlightened, and I and I and I almost could explain it to someone else. I defer to Fernando for our next topic. Uh, Malik, um, when when you were coming out of high school, and and uh, obviously you played in Ohio and everything, what made you choose to go to Notre Dame? Uh, well, it's just one of those opportunities, man, where you don't get a. It was just different in the at that time for the quarterback space. I thought it was different than Ohio State and Alabama and um, Pittsburgh that I was looking at at the time, Wisconsin, too. Uh, plus, I knew that even if I had five good games, I had the opportunity to go to the league just because of the type of program and the type of spotlight that it shines on every weekend and the expectations. So all things included from a challenge perspective as well as uh, just the need and, and want to really be at the peak of college football and be the best is, is reasons that you, you can't deny Notre Dame. Uh, and it's one of those things where you hate it or love it. Interestingly enough, Notre Dame doesn't offer uh, all the expected guys that are at the top every every year in the class. So um, I thought that was unique that they reached out to me at that time. Um, and so I thought being out there would be a little different and uh, wanted to make the most out of it. Yeah, when we talk to players currently or former players, they talk about getting your degree from Notre Dame is is prestigious, and that's what sometimes drives them to come to Notre Dame as well. Um, it, was that also one of the reasons why you you uh, you wanted to come here? Yeah, there's always uh, they always put that out there, man. I think it's hard to pass up on the network and relationships that Notre Dame offers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest benefit of the type of community that Notre Dame has because it's, it's worldwide as opposed to being uh, state-centered or state-focused. I mean, you got a lot of people from Chicago, but you get a you get a nice little mix of uh, a little bit of everywhere. So I think uh, having that network in your back pocket, like you get a degree from there, it's like your membership pass. And it gets you a, a lot of good phone calls to connect with people. So I do think that's probably the biggest value you get out of it. Um, a degree is a degree, in my opinion, from anywhere. But 
what you can cash it in for is is what matters, and uh, that community and relationships is something that uh, is, is second to none. You know, when it comes to this, the college, college wise. Mm. Malik, uh, that sounds like uh, something that you may have had a chance to talk about, uh, maybe in those exact words with with uh, Dante Moore. When you, when you spoke to them recently, uh, and, and not, not that that's your role, but I mean, if he had questions and he's a very inquisitive guy, he's got the, he's got the college football world by the tail right now, he's deciding. And, um, um, first of all, you, you mentioned to me when we spoke, uh, on the blue and gold game, uh, as we walked to the, over to the stadium, how impressed you were with Dante, uh, and, uh, and what you thought about the way his dad is guiding his career. Cause you know, what it's like to have a dad take an active interest in your career and, and guide you at that stage of your life. What, what has anything changed since then? Any more interaction? Uh, but what, what in general do you think of, of the way the Moors are going about it? Man, I think it's just, it's awesome. I think every time you get a chance to have an it kid like Dante is for, for uh, college football recruiting, I think it's just a beautiful thing to watch a, a family stay together through the midst of trying to put their kid in the best situation uh, for himself. So um, the choices that he's got are, are huge. You know, these are, these are life changing decisions and for his dad to be right there by his side, man, I think that's a, a great thing for parents to watch and the way they go about it and not being too eager, but also, uh, knowing a little bit about how you want to go about it and not having people decide for you. So I think that's a trend that uh, it's got to take more, more hold of because, you know, this NIL stuff is getting a little crazy and um, recruiting is crazy. So having a strong relationship with your, with your family and your parents is much needed in making the right decision because you don't want to go into the wrong one and end up being in the, the, the never ending transfer portal that's, that's growing by the year, you know, is getting bigger and bigger. Malik, when you talk about the right decision, is that mostly shielding off all the offer, all the, all the potential offers that each university bring. And instead of kind of just focusing on the football side of it, they, and the education part, like just going based off of education and, uh, and um, football, or do you feel like, they should take it into a, uh, into effect also what some of the schools, what they're getting offered on the side. Well, you look at a guy like Jordan Addison. I mean, at this point it's, it's yeah. free agency for him. And I think yeah. not every person is going to have a transfer, a transfer uh, portal opportunity like that. So I think, um, but that's, which is different than professional sports because professional sports, everybody gets a chance like that in some regard, mm-hmm. but in college football, you know, you're only going to have the top percenters. I mean, he's a Blitnikoff guy. Uh, he got Kenny Pickett drafted. So um, he's got a lot of leverage, but I think that's just business in general. When you're talking about money, it's all about uh, no emotions and his, and his real value with leverage and all things included. So a lot of the, amateurism i think uh is contradictory to what the nil has become so it's different this this transfer and nil stuff has become a different beast for different people so for jordan addison is it can be perceived as a money thing which 
which isn't a problem because we all know that he's probably going to go high in the draft next year and he's just looking for the best fit in that in that regards because he knows he's going to play anywhere he's going. Um, other transfer guys are guys that are leaving tough situations that are looking for fresh starts where, you know, you're looking a little bit deeper into maybe it's the depth chart, maybe it's the coaching staff, maybe it's the offense or defense. And then there's other guys that are transferring, you know, due to injury or whatever the case is that may think about, you know, maybe there's better careers. I know when I was going through it, uh, Florida had a great uh, media department and I had my undergrad in media. So they had a wonderful media program. You know, Tim Tebow went through there. Uh, a lot of uh, Chris Palmer went through there. So, I mean, Jordan Palmer went through there. So um, that married up with football and, you know, it became a great decision for uh, my my process at the time. So um, where it stands now, you really can't be mad at at least the players have options before you didn't have too many options. So I think having options is is better than, you know, the, the non-options with a lot more criticism behind it. Um, Malik, you, you were entrenched in a, in a couple of quarterback battles when you were at Notre Dame, uh, right now, Notre Dame's going through that when, uh, with Tyler Buckner and, and Drew Pine, can you just, uh, talk about from your experience, what it's like to be in a quarterback battle like that? You know, they're never fun. They kind of suck. Unless it just depends on how the, the situation is being managed. Unfortunately, I thought that our situation could have been managed the seven, eight, nine, ten times I was going through it. But I do think if it's managed correctly, it can be constructive to building enough of serviceability for what you're looking for from an offensive perspective. Uh, you know, if they don't if they don't think that both guys are enough individually, then maybe the combination of the two can be helpful. Considering at this point, the whole team is a bunch of two-way athletes. So, you know, you never know. We might put Xavier Watts back there. So I do think that uh, from how the team is developing that, you know, it's going to give guys opportunities. And Marcus Freeman is pushing competition. And hopefully it can be – if anything, if I had to change it, it would be solve the the battle a lot earlier. That way the whoever the starter is can take reps that can get him ready instead of just giving him half the reps by the time the first snap of the game. And then you just, you're just losing out. So I think the earlier the battle is decided, the better, but that way it can be made fun. You know, it can, you know, give it a time limit. So uh, I think if, like I said, if it's done the right way, it's not bad, but all the ones I've been through sucked. We're speaking with Malik Zaire, former Notre Dame quarterback. This is the pod of gold. I'm Mike Berardino. Joined, as always, by Fernando Ramirez. And, and to follow up on that, Malik, uh, um, isn't it natural, whether it's in college or in the pros or even in high school, if, if, if a team knows that it's A or B to be the face of the team as the quarterback, they're going to choose sides. They're going to kind of, even if they don't say so publicly, even if they don't say so amongst each other, it's only natural to, to have a rooting interest or make your own kind of mental call on that. And how does how dangerous is it, as you say, I, wisely, I believe, to, that uh, you need a decision sooner than later. In Notre Dame's case, this thing could go into mid-August, if not beyond. How, how dangerous is it uh, in terms of a, a, divide, a divisive factor for a team? 
Well, it's very divisive when you don't have a clear leadership going into your first game because it just doesn't make anybody feel comfortable. You know, when you don't know who your quarterback is, it's like going in not not studying for a test. It's like, like I showed up to class every day, but did I really study for this test? That's kind of the feeling you go when you don't have your guy in there. So it's better to get it done faster. I do think professional football is different because guys are getting paid. So you feel better because it's like, okay, that guy's getting paid 40 million. It's like, all right, well, I'm okay because that's just the way the structure is, which is way better than college football where it's just super opinionated. And, you know, half of these coaches are out of touch with, you know, what the team really needs at the time. So I think uh, a lot more emotional factors play in high school and college than the pros where even if it's the wrong decision, at least the order is defined because of the money, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, mate, shoot, the way NIL is going, maybe it goes the same way. You know, maybe they have to start Nico Amovalita because he's probably the highest paid guy on right. campus, you know? Eight million, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of so you have to play, like, no matter what. So maybe that's what it would turn into, which in my mind would be uh, put at ease a lot of the quarterbacks going uh, through it because at least they know, okay, I could spend this year to develop instead of trying to be a bad teammate and beat out a guy that it really doesn't matter. It's about your opportunity, you know. Malik, as a former quarterback, I mean, right now there's been a lot of questions about the receiving core of Notre Dame and and that during the blue and gold game, they couldn't create separation. There's some questions about it. As a former quarterback, um, if they can't create some separation, how much how difficult is that uh, make your job as a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, it's tough when guys can't get open. I do think that, uh, you know, we got to also allow the, the coaching to set in uh, on these players, especially allow Chancey Stuckey to really get in with those guys like Braden Lindsey and Avery Davis and even with the young guys like JT and Deion Cosley to really uh, have a full summer to work on that. I do think you'll see a different team by the first game than you did in the spring. I think a lot of it too, you, it'll be more competitive. You know, it's not as relaxed as the spring is. And you also got to look at it as our defense is pretty damn good too. I think a lot of that, uh, Marcus Freeman put a lot of effort in, in building out, like he said, the middle of the defense. Uh, so it looks really stout. And we got some guys flying around in the back end, even the young guys. Uh, with Mickey back there and, and even the old guys like Brandon Joseph making it hard. So I think it's going to prepare us for what we're going to see, especially the first game. But I'm not too concerned about what you see in spring other than with the young guys. It was good to see Angeli out there and what's coming up in the two years to come. When you see uh, a, a tight end like Michael Mayer, just how much does that help your offense? Having such a, a big weapon like uh, like Notre Dame has, it feels like they're kind of uh, tight end you. I know they call Florida State DBU, but I feel like Notre Dame's kind of turned into tight end you uh, in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's always been known for some tight ends. I do think that we've always been known for the what is considered boring positions uh, of consistency like offensive line and tight ends. But the but you can't deny what the what the results have been able to to bring, you know, first rounders and hundred million dollar guys and Hall of Famers. So uh even though we may not be the exciting positions, we do hit them where it counts.
Um, Malik, when, when you think back on, obviously, uh, you had the bowl game experience, MVP of, a bowl, of the bowl game down in Nashville, but then when you had to take the field against Texas to start the 2015 season, I'm going to throw a couple of numbers at you because um, it's, a, it's a similar feeling had to be in some way uh, as in terms of total pass attempts that you had made in the college level as what Buckner or Pine will be experiencing at Ohio State in the opener. It's 35 total pass attempts in the career of Tyler Buckner so far, certainly a number of run attempts too. Drew Pine, 33. You only had 35 by my count uh, going into that um, against Texas. And then of course they went great. Um, how nervous were you going into a season opener or leading up to it? Um, and of course uh, with Bolson's decision to uh, transfer, you had a little more time to prepare yourself and galvanize your team around you. But um, what was that? What were the nerves like going into a season opener? Man, college football is so short. Uh, in hindsight, you don't really have too much time to be nervous, or you just you just not gonna make it. So I think uh, for me, it just came. I was just frustrated a lot of it, just because I felt like I should have been out there helping the team more in some way. I couldn't even play scout team. We were just a weird position between not being scout team but being like the backup, but not even the backup either. Like what kind of purgatory that was. So it was like a matter of time. And because of that, it just inspired me to just be ready whenever my chance came. And, you know, even though it wasn't as much as I probably have wanted it uh, when I was in there, I tried to make it count. So, um, you know, it's just the story of how it goes sometimes, I guess. In retrospect, do you, do you think it, you should have stayed and battled uh, to try to get your job back, or was the writing on the wall that it just it just it, it wasn't going to happen? Well, you know, I graduated, so an opportunity to do it a, a second time is rare at that time. Transfer portal wasn't that big. Yeah, and you you kind of you kind of put the the thought out there uh, pre portal, right? Yeah, straight up. I think I could be a pioneer for that a little bit, right? But, <laughs> it, should, uh, it should be called the Malik Zaire portal. Seriously, desire for it. But I do think that uh, during that time, it was more like calls after class, like, you know, super undercover stuff. Uh, But having a second recruitment was kind of cool. Having the opportunities to be at, uh, go to some major programs after uh, Notre Dame. It wasn't like I had to only go to like Coastal Carolina or something. I had some chances to go to Mm -hmm. some pretty solid school. So that was exciting, especially going through what I was going through at the time. And I felt like I I had given all I could, even though staying probably would have been great for me. <laughs> but, you know, just the, the the time of what it was going on, I thought a second recruitment would be like a breath of fresh air. And it was cool to go on those visits. When you got those calls after class, uh, take us uh, back to one of those or two of those where you, you look at your phone and you maybe recognize the area code and then yeah, there it is. There's some head coach calling you. What, what was who, who, who stands out in that process? Well, I think what was different for me is that I was a fifth year as opposed to like a guy that just started. So, I, you know, as a fifth year guy, I knew a lot of guys throughout college football. I knew a lot of coaches. So. A lot of it was just calling guys I knew and guys that knew me called me. So it wasn't, as I assume now, where you get put into some computer system and 
you know, you're getting calls from all over the place. So uh, back then I was fortunate enough to have a, a good catalog built up for four years in to have guys remember me enough to reach out once I uh, told them I wanted to leave. Uh, Malik, what's your relationship like with Marcus Freeman? Oh man, nine three seven, the Daytonian, a fellow Daytonian. <laughs> uh, it's it's in the blood, man. I think uh, when you need to refresh a, a program and put it in the right spot, you you go down to, the, to Dayton and, and find the guy for that, and he's the man that's going to get it done, man. I think he's got all the right tools uh, that that you need for a head coach in this day and age. Uh, but I also think he carries enough of the principles from when football was golden uh, that he pulls from that it really brings out the the best in what I think this team is going to show. Uh, not that we're looking to be, uh, you know, so much different than what we were already are, I think, if anything, which is the one or two games better that we need to be uh, taken more serious in the landscape of college football. What would uh, what would be a successful first season for for uh, Marcus? Well, I think you know not being su- super critical. The first thing, obviously, would continue to be a ten nine, or well, shoot, at this point, ten eleven win uh, team. You know, I think that's the the expectation that we've been running with these last four or five years. So that would be considered a success, but. I do think uh, his recruiting classes are a huge success for Marcus Freeman, especially uh, the ones that he has that he can literally put his name on uh, the 2023 class being the lead recruiter for all those guys and the 24 class. So recruiting and, and, and maintaining the expectations so far for the first year would, in my opinion, be a success because, now you have something that you can even take off with and that's getting back to focusing on those one or two games that we have every season that uh, make or break us. Now you're, you're still only 27. Marcus is 36. Um, you were Kettering, I believe from the Kettering area and uh, Marcus Huber Heights. Uh, do you remember? He was pretty good at Ohio state second team, all big 10 at, at linebacker. Do you remember following Marcus Freeman's rise even in high school. Did you ever see him play in high school as, as a as a young kid? Yeah, I definitely saw him play in high school, man. I was able to uh just know the Wayne program over there in Huber Heights is a really good program. Braxton Miller went there and I grew up, you know, watching Marcus Freeman first and then Braxton. And so Ohio State was a big influence for me growing up. Uh Jalen Marshall, I was a uh, he was he was big during that time. He went to Ohio State. So, um, yeah, I mean, Marcus Freeman, man, he's a, a hometown legend. Uh, the city of Dayton, the G-Walk, which is the conference that Marcus Freeman played in, is a really good conference. A lot of great talent comes out of there. So that's the one of the premier leagues. And as a ball boy and, and a kid growing up wanting to be there, Friday night was like, you know, going to a concert for me. So it was really, it was really cool to see those stars out there. And then when I got to see those guys on TV, it just sealed the deal that I could do it too. So Marcus Freeman is one of those Dayton legends that's included in that. Why why do you think he is such a good recruiter? I think it's, that's a, 
that's undeniable based on what he was able to do at, at Cincinnati to lead to so how dominant they were in the draft. Not that they were all his guys, but a lot of defensive guys uh, over the three days of this past draft. And then uh, sitting on the number one recruiting class for 23, tr- held together the 22 class. You've had these conversations with him. Um, you know, we see him out the public face, but what is he, what is the, his ability to connect one-on-one person to person like, and, and how do you think that makes him so good at this recruiting piece? Well, I think he's just an authentic guy, man. When you get guys from Dayton, like I say, you get that authenticity, uh, a little bit. There's of no, there's no phonies from Dayton. They don't allow that. right? I That's mean, the that. ones that the, the ones that are the most successful, the ones that aren't in Dayton, you know, you're getting a special product, but I do think just, his uh his command of, of of what he's doing, you can tell from the way he carries himself that, you know, he's a guy that's looking to really, you know, mix it up a little bit and and, and be uh a guy that's gonna be in front of the charge for taking a risk. And you can get behind a guy that's that's like that. And so I think uh he's buffered his administration, like I like to call it, with a lot of talent, young and old. It's a great mixture of guys in the right places that uh, can really make a, a, a family sitting at home feel like they are, are putting their son in the best position. And I think Marcus Freeman is is not too old where he is out of touch, but he's just young enough to to be uh, get that twinkle in the eye just right for those parents. And it's infectious when he walks into a room. So it's really good to have that refresher than uh, what we had the last 10 years. But you know Tommy Reese so well, and you and you played with Tommy uh, when you first got there, right? And um, he's apparently also able to connect with uh, with young players, especially young quarterbacks. Uh, Dante Moore talks about how uh, how the bond with Tommy Reese has has grown just the way they recruit these days by text, by Zoom, whatever. Um, why do you think Tommy is able to? connect with the high school kid, obviously not, not very old himself, 29 still. Yeah. Tommy's just, he's one of those guys. He's the quarterback's quarterback type of guy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an analogy to, you know, the backup quarterback, like Chase McDaniel, Chase McDaniels in the quarterback room. He's been around the game. He, he can still throw that thing a little bit. He's very relatable. I think as a quarterback, you've got to be super dry and sarcastic. And, and Tommy has that down to a T and, you know, you kind of need that to break up just the, the, the ebbs and flows of being a quarterback. And it kind of brings you back down to still a game. And, you know, he's got the right attitude and, and, and personality that fits well in the quarterback room of that's, that's so spotlighted and hectic. And I think his, uh, his quarterbacks are also the same way. So, uh, you know, Tommy's just a, a, a cool guy to be around because he's bringing new ideas to offense and it, and it, it keeps you engaged because you, you always chasing that, you know, that Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan type of uh, uh, trajectory. So um, I think he's inspired the younger quarterbacks looking at it as that fast lane, uh, hitting that QB success that they're seeing in the league. And, you know, it's an attractive quality that they got. It's that young QB thing. Am I correct too, Malik, that you're doing some coaching now as well? I am. I'm coaching Lakewood High School in Long in uh, Lakewood, California. Wow. 
How, how did that come about and uh, how much are you enjoying that? I'm loving it. Uh, Justin Utupo, you know, Notre Dame alumni, uh, getting in there, head coach, man, he's running that ship just right. Uh, he's steering the ship just right. So uh, being on board with him, man, he's been able to put his alma mater back on the map. We got a whole new stadium and being a quarterback coach, offense coordinator is uh, is pretty nice, man, coaching with your friends. I understand how Kelly felt. <laughs> and is, is that something that you want to pursue, uh, Malik? Like maybe go up the ranks and potentially uh, coach college football and maybe pros? I'd definitely be a bomb coach. I 100% believe <laughs> I could give my quarterback the best in the, in the uh, at least in the division. Well, my quarterback last year, we had the best stats in, of all players in the division. So it's proofs in the pudding. Uh, but uh, it will be interesting, I think, if the opportunity comes along. You know, if Tommy needs a QB coach since he's doing all the offensive duties, I definitely would be uh, excited for it. Yeah, you may have... You may have already described it when you talked about that that kind of, I would say, low-key swagger that a quarterback has. But when they talk about a quarterback having the it factor, um, how do you know it when you see it? You're looking for it in your guys at the high school level. You're looking for it when you have conversations with kids that Notre Dame's in on, perhaps, uh, from your Irish Players Club perspective. But uh, how do you know when a – young quarterback has it uh a lot of factors i just think uh you got to have an eye for it but a, a lot of it too you got to be able to be tapped into just the environment and the culture of football as it evolves and progresses through the years you know it just like people that were tuned in to Steph Curry and Davidson knew that at some point, the game was going to evolve into more of that style. So you could kind of tell Steph Curry may not be looked at as the guy right now, but he's got some it factor to him. So a guy like Bryce Young is the, the new prototypical quarterback in college football size and everything. You know, these skinny, you know, little leg guys where they can throw and make plays. So that's kind of where things are evolving from a, a archetype. But – from an intangible situation, you got to see when guys are are caught off guard. You know, I think a lot of times when things are going as planned, it's easy for guys to fake. But when expectations are required of you, going from don't lose the game to we're only going to win if it's because of you, that defines every quarterback to a T. So uh, we've seen it with, you know, all of them. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was an it guy. Because when his team went from the four All-American D lineman to him having to do it himself, he was able to at least get him back there, you know, by himself. So we see it with Ian. You know, Ian went from ride the wave, Ian just don't lose it for us, to all right, now you got to go win it because of you, and we see the results. So I think that's the best way of determining the it factor is when expectations are required because you can't have an opinion on those. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, it's a do it or don't. Yeah. Business. So 
Yep, no doubt. Totally agree, Malik. Uh, Thank you so much. Again, the host of the Lucky Lefty podcast. Uh, Malik, let let fans know where they can find the podcast and obviously uh, plug your Twitter uh, in there as well and your social media. Uh, Overtime Malik on Instagram, Malik Zaire 8 on Twitter. Uh, Follow us on the Lucky Lefty uh, podcast. We got ignorewhiskey.com if you want to drink responsibly and then you know, for the NFT, get you an Irish Players Club NFT. Support your MB players. 75% of proceeds go towards feeding the players, getting them a little bit of money throughout the year. And, um, you know, we're just keeping things moving forward. You know, check us out on all platforms and hit us up. You know, tune in to our Lucky Lucky podcast every morning, uh, 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. Eastern. Oh, 11 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> 8, 8, 8 a.m. our time in L.A. So check us out. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you so much, Malik. That's, see, that's the kind of stuff you get here on the Pot of Gold. You get uh, you get a lot of information. Malik Zaire, former quarterback. Mike, I felt like I learned a lot from him, especially on the nfts and stuff i i i knew a little bit about it but i didn't know much and uh, thank you for asking that question because when he when he got down to the nitty-gritty of it i was like oh okay i kind of understand a little bit uh more of it what was your takeaway from it well i'm always thinking about myself so i was thinking <laughs> how how could we possibly because he talked about artists and moments and he, he explained it beautifully uh the nfts and that's kind of what's going on is is you capture a moment in time maybe a Although the way the Irish Players Club does it, they're selling that that golden ticket, the Willy Wonka style ticket, as he called it. But Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I love but, that reference. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Made me hungry. But uh, imagine if, as this pod, pot of gold blossoms anew, if we could create, we could mint NFTs of, say, you know, uh, a moment in time where I, uh, you know, I'm just brilliant or stupid. And then maybe you would just laugh just so. And then people want to own that. And then we can just retire. Do you think that might happen? That'd be beautiful. I mean, to be able to retire at this age, I'd be, <laughs> I, I, I'd be fulfilling my uh, life, my, my short lifelong goal uh, as, as when I was a kid talking about uh, <laughs> retiring uh, before um, before hitting 30. But yeah, I know it, it's it's incredible the way you kind of you you see the you see the landscape from his eyes. What I really wanted to ask him and, and I didn't get a chance to. But how, does he have any time to sleep? I mean, he's like an octopus. He has his hands in this. He's coaching high school football. He's doing NFT. He's doing he's got he's involved in a lot of stuff, which is good to see. And and, uh, and see how he's helping the next uh, generation of not just athletes at Notre Dame, but the uh, the athletes over in at the high school that he coaches in uh, Lakewood. No, oh, he's a force of nature. That he's made that uh, that that's clear. If you gain nothing else from hearing a 35, 40 minute discussion with him, uh, it's that the guy has a, a superhuman energy, and and he's 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 not done. He's still looking to add. Yeah more to his plate. And I, and I, I liked how you asked him about the potential to grow that coaching piece. And he said, if Tommy Reese needs a quarterback coach down the road, he's, he's, uh, he's more than willing. And you know, the trust factors there between those two. So that would be pretty cool. I, I love the, I pass. loved how he pitched himself. He's like, Hey, if, uh, if Tommy needs a quarterbacks <laughs> coach, I'm like, there well, you go. That's, that's how you get it. You, uh, he's been building his brand ever since he was, uh, uh, ever since he was in high school with the whole lucky lefty and, and look at how much it's grown. 
Well, I think that's another lesson for people is you just need to speak it into existence. It's it, it's a great nickname. Generally, the, the better the nickname, the more credit should go to whoever came up with it. He came up with it. And he just said, I'm the lucky lefty. And if you say it enough, it becomes the title of your podcast. And so by the next time we get together, Fernando, I'm challenging you. I want you to have, don't tell me today, but we're each going to brand ourselves with a nickname for the next pot of gold. I, I think it's an essential part of branding and survival in the modern media world. There you go. How about that? <laughs> yeah, no. And, and speaking no, of- I don't uh, need to hear it now. No, Next I time. know. No, I know. But speaking okay. of that, uh, there's a lot of good stuff right now happening at in, uh, ND Insider, the South Bend Tribune, NDInsider.com. Uh, Mike does his uh, live chats every week. Uh, you can also, uh, Tom Noe does his live chats on on basketball. So you can definitely ask him questions about that. And and uh, we really have our, our um, going back to the octopus reference with uh, Malik, uh, we really have our tentacles everywhere. So it's a lot of good stuff uh, happening right now. And, and we got some good stuff cooking. So uh, definitely go check out ndinsider.com. Um, honestly, Mike, th this was a, a slam dunk, uh, slam dunk guest just because we learned so much and, and got so much out of him that we again, we want to thank Malik and, and definitely check out his podcast, the Lucky Lefty podcast. But it, it's great. To, it was great to have him on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's he's a he's a great listener and he, he pulls significant guests as well. Uh, and a lot of the recruiting piece, too. So uh, yeah, give him a give him a little bit of love, too, uh, that he does that podcast with Sean Davis. Um, no, it was, it was it was great. And uh, I, I we'll uh, work now on lining up our next guest. That's a tough act to follow. But we're, we're going to we're going to see what we can come up with. Yeah, exactly. Well, for Mike Berendino from Fernando Ramirez, uh, this was the pot of gold. Thank you guys again so much for checking uh, checking out the podcast. And also, don't forget to check out uh, ndinsider.com, South Bend Tribune. Uh, and also, we have past episodes where we talked to um, Garth Brooks. We talked to Jerome Bettis about uh, his upcoming graduation. So definitely go check out all that good stuff. But for now, thank you guys so much for for checking out Pot of Gold.